we all have big dreams and these fantasy lifestyles in our mind we wish were our reality. Meanwhile, we watch others seemingly make it happen. I'm Rachel Denson, a farm girl turned mortgage guru, moonlighting as your self-help cheerleader. Together, we'll pull back the curtain with intentional conversations and discover how you get there. And welcome to How You Get There, where I ask people questions we are all thinking, but no one is actually used to asking. I am so glad you've made time to join us this week. I'm excited to introduce you to my friend and someone I have known from day one. I wanted to talk to her on the podcast, Michaela Kim Thomas. Michaela is a wife and mom of three. She's a personal trainer and fitness nutrition specialist who has built an amazing thriving business from her transparent and realistic approach to fitness, food, and weight loss. She has 866,000 followers on Instagram, 1.6 million followers on TikTok, and has built a community of almost 9,000 women in her Fit Sis Club group on Facebook. She grew her following while having two kids and a full-time job as a teacher until she made the bold move to go all in on her dream in the summer of 2021. What is really special about having my friend Michaela with me today is we have known each other since childhood and I have witnessed her turn her passion into an empire. And truthfully, the line in my trailer about how did they turn that side hustle into an empire is solely dedicated to her. Michaela is so much more than the numbers I've shared with you though. And I cannot wait to take you along as I ask Michaela questions about how she got here, where she's going, that I have been dying to ask her for so many years as, as I have admired her from afar. So today, the majority of how you get there is going to be an interview with Michaela because I just have so many. But before I start pounding away with questions, I want Michaela to tell us a little bit about her story in her own words. Michaela, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. I don't usually do things like this, but I knew that this was important. I'm excited that you're starting this. So thanks so much for having me. Oh gosh, I don't even know where to start about my story. It's the it beginning. seems like it's, yeah, it seems like it's been going on for a long time, but whenever I look back, yeah. it really hasn't been. I just remember starting Kylan, my firstborn. He was pretty young. He was 2 or 3 years old, and I can remember it was summer break. We are both the type that we get super bored super easily. So, school was out. It was summer break. We were outside all the time trying to find things to do, but I just mm -hmm. remember especially like during nap time and during the slow times I kept thinking, okay, what is something that, that I'm interested in that I can do? And so I took that as the mm -hmm. opportunity to start writing down all of my workouts for myself, all of my recipes I had always written down, but I wanted them to be a little bit more efficient. So I started to type away on my little laptop and make things cuter because I'm the type of person, if it's not cute, I'm not going to look at it. I don't care about it. It needs to be something right. that I want to look at. So I started that way. And then once I was finished, I was like, wow, like, this is pretty good. This is something that I've always needed and wanted. And then I was like, well, people always ask me for workout advice. People always ask me for recipes. So this could be something that I could offer to people that are needing these things. So I remember I started offering them to like close friends and family, people that reached out to me for um, like a really good price. And I would just send it over and I would do everything manually by myself. And then it just took, I just wow. continued to grow from there. And so at that point, how long had you been 
I would say like a fitness enthusiast a long time. Yeah, I've always been into fitness. Uh, not really always, but since high school, I can remember my mom would always drag me to the gym with her. And at first I did not want to go. I was like, this is embarrassing. I don't want to be here. I didn't know what I was doing. I would walk on the treadmill. I would piddle around the machines and everything. Um, but she continued to drag me there and, and I got into classes. And so whenever I would get into the fitness classes, that's what really changed everything for me because I had something that I looked forward to. It was fun. It kept my attention. I wasn't bored, which yeah. was a huge thing for me that kept me off track for a long time was I would get super bored with doing my own thing. So the classes really was a turning point that I can remember. And so I did that all through high school, all through college. And then eventually I was to a point where I could do things by myself and I knew what to do and I knew what I needed for myself. So took off from there. Yeah. I remember it's like, not only do I remember you from childhood, but I feel like we have like gone to the same gyms for like probably over yeah. 15 years. Cause yeah. did your mom go to family or uh, family fitness? Yes. 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 I remember. Cause I think we were in some workout classes. Oh together yeah. At family yeah. Fitness, I love cardio fitness. kickboxing. Yeah. Yes. It was so good. I will say, I feel like this is uh, for local people, but Murray, where Michaela and I both live, just got a Planet Fitness. And it really does give me like some family fitness nostalgia uh -huh. about like everybody's just in there doing their thing. Like it really is a no judgment zone. Like people right. are just bopping in and out. I love it. So, well, Michaela, you have always been for, for a long time, and I don't want to say always, but really it just seems like almost your whole adult life, I would say, have been pretty outwardly like vocal about your passion for being in fitness and like exercising. And you did a lot of stuff that you realize now like wasn't necessarily the healthiest relationship with fitness and then wasn't like really as effective as what you do now. And then you really started being more intentional about like monologuing your journeys and, you know, being very open and transparent about what you were learning and what was working for you. And we are from a really small area. And at first, you know, I think just naturally, like the people that are watching you online or people that know you personally, usually, especially before it's crazy, you started all of this before TikTok, right? Right. I mean, TikTok yeah. didn't even exist. Right. Like, like, I remember I've watched you, like, you know, in some form or fashion, talking about like fitness and stuff for years. So, did you have to fight embarrassment, insecurity, worry about like when you started choosing this post, especially when it was getting a little bit more, even more vulnerable or even more like in the weeds of like how you were like learning how to create the body you wanted like you know literally your physical appearance and that is just such a like vulnerable space but you were doing it and you were reaching people but I'm sure there were some negative emotions to that can you speak oh yeah oh my gosh absolutely I always joke that I feel like I lived a double life especially whenever I was teaching I yeah. was like I'm a teacher I cannot be making all these fitness videos like the other people. I don't want it to be weird. I don't want people to judge me and think that like I'm trying to get attention from this and I don't want my students to see my videos and things like that. So I definitely yeah. struggled with that pretty much the entire time I was teaching. Um, I let a lot of that go whenever I decided to stop teaching. But even still, whenever I was teaching, I really put a lot of work in and, and just had to put that to the side and say, you know what? 
I'm a person, I have a body, and that's okay. Yeah. And I'm not doing anything wrong with my body. Like, I'm inspiring others, I'm showing my progress, and that's okay. And so that was something that I really had to come to terms with and just keep reminding myself throughout my journey and remind myself of the purpose of what I'm doing and is what I'm doing helpful to others. And it was. And so I continued to do it. So that was something that I fought with for a long time. Did you feel like that was mostly in your head or did unfortunately you get some negative feedback that you actually had to like push back on? I think most of it was in my head, but I would still have sometimes people would ask me things or if I had students say like, oh, I I found your TikTok, I found your Instagram, I would immediately feel embarrassed or shameful, even though I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong. And then I would immediately go and try to block people from that. Like I said, I feel like I lived a double life. I didn't want them to see that side because that wasn't for them. That wasn't for my students to see. That wasn't for my coworkers. That was for the audience that I was trying to help. And so, and realistically, they weren't your audience, right, you know, no. and you knew that. Yeah. Right. And so I just never wanted to cross that line between, is this inappropriate? Is this appropriate? Because yeah. I wasn't doing anything wrong. And so I had to remind myself of that. And if people felt a certain type of way about my content, then it wasn't for them. And so that was something that I had to accept along the way. Yeah. And I'm sure it probably took just like, over and over again, like just speaking that into your life. Like, I'm sure it wasn't like one day you woke up and you're like, okay, this isn't a problem anymore, but probably after like a year of reminding yourself that. But I think that that's where it's interesting too, to think that probably played a pretty big role in you deciding to like go all in because it, I'm sure was exhausting to feel like you were living it like two lives. Yeah, it definitely was. So, and I guess that's where we were talking about a little bit about this before we officially went live, but did you have a clear vision about exactly what you wanted to create and like, or did it just kind of continue to morph from this to something else to something else? Because I was just thinking about, you know, like for me with this podcast, I had to kind of be like, okay, like my husband, Chad, okay. I need you to get on board with like, I know this is like, cause he's anti-social media. Yeah. So is my husband. And yes. And so it was one of those things of where I really felt like, and I wanted him to be on board and I really like, I saw this vision, wanted the buy-in, but it's one of those things of also, if you don't kind of have, know that that's coming, that probably looks a little bit different. So I didn't know with your husband, if that was a conversation you had on the front end or you both were just kind of working through it in real time as it was like evolving. Yeah. Like you said, um, I have always, like, I've never shied away from talking about the things that are important to me just because I don't have that many things that I'm good at. I don't have that many things that I'm interested in, but the few things that I am and the few things that I do care about, they're important to me and I'm willing to talk about it all day, every day. So at first I had no clear vision. I didn't know what I wanted. I was just talking because it was things that were important to me, things that I had questions about whenever I first started my journey, things that I knew could be helpful to others. So I was happy to share. And then eventually, without me even realizing it, it started to grow and it just continued to grow. People started to actually listen. I can remember whenever I first started, it was like I would post to social media and I would get major anxiety because I knew it was going to be crickets. Like no one at that point really cared that much. Like, I would have some sympathy likes or some sympathy comments because nobody wants to show up and just, you know, talk to themselves. But then I was like, well, 
I don't care. Like it's important to me. It, if it's important to one other person, I'm going to continue to do this. That's why it matters to me. So I continued, I pushed through that. And then my audience started to find me. So a lot of that was because of social media and the way that the algorithm works. And I was very consistent, even though, like I said, I didn't have a lot of traffic there, but it mattered to me. So I continued, I persevered. And then I was rewarded with this audience that genuinely cares and that genuinely wants to hear from me and talk with me and cares about what I have to say. So then that in itself was motivation to keep going and to keep doing better and to keep providing better content. So, but I had no clue. Pretty consistent with your content before you had the value exchange of the cookbooks and the official fitness plans, or was it after you had kind of guess you were consistent before? Yeah, I was okay. pretty consistent, just in the sense that I went on there every day. I knew what I wanted to talk about. I would always post stories, and it wasn't just things that I wanted to post. It was things that I knew would be beneficial. I'm not just mm-hmm. going to sit there and clog up your feed with things that you don't really care about or things that are for me, it's, it's because of you. Like, I want to help you. I want to show you. And that was before you had anything really that Mm -hmm. you were selling. Yeah. Yeah. How long did you do that? Gosh, I started in the summer of 21 and then I got pregnant with Beckham that summer. And so whenever I'm pregnant, I'd get this really weird thing where I become really, I don't know, I don't want to say hermit, but I just become more shy. I become more withdrawn and, uh, So that happened, and I talked a little bit about my pregnancy, but not much. I backed off a little bit, but I continued to post. I continued to share um, people Mm -hmm. that were doing my plans, and I was continuing to do my plans too, and so I would share that. And then after I had Beckham and I had to basically start from scratch again with my own progress, that's whenever I was consistently sharing lots of major things that were going on and really vulnerable side. Yeah. The really vulnerable side of what true progress and true consistency looks like. So, and then after that, I would say, oh gosh, it was probably a good year of doing that before I got on TikTok and TikTok really probably six to eight months of being on TikTok consistently. I started to grow and it was at a rate that I had no idea would ever happen. And then from there, Instagram kind of picked up on that and started to push my content to other people too. And so it just all spiraled and it's crazy. You know. It's, it, it's interesting to me that you're talking about just back in 21, because like, I remember just, you were doing this like probably since 2018 or 2019 in small bits. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I on my Snapchat story a lot and Instagram story some. When did you make the, your fitness page? I transitioned my personal Instagram into my fitness Instagram. When did that happen? That happened, I want to say probably whenever Beckham was about six months old. Oh, okay. Yeah. It feels like forever ago. Yeah. And that that would have been about three three years ago or so, maybe two or three Mm -hmm. years ago. So you never had to, you just kind of rebranded. And I thought about it. I thought about it, but I was like, no, people that are here that care about me can stay here. And if they don't want to follow me, that's okay. They can unfollow, but I'm not going to, I'm not this new person. Yeah. Like I'm the same person that I've always been. So I'm just going to well, slowly transition. And like I said, I mean, I feel like I thought you, in my mind, this has been going on so much longer. Like, I just feel like you've been hustling so much longer than that even, but I really think it speaks to really, and it's scary, but it's like, how much growth can happen when you go 
all in on something. Right. Yeah, I did this for a couple of years while I was teaching and then decided not to go back. One thing that I wanted to know about on that note, because this is, I remember where you would post and you would basically be like, hey, here's the background of like what you don't see. Like you see these beautiful plans and all this stuff, but you had like a dual monitor set up in your house. How many hours did it take like for you to, like how many, how much time did you spend while you were teaching? Do you think on your startup. And like, I know you said you would work like really late into the night, but I just didn't know if you could give us a, a clear idea of like what that looked like for yeah, you. Yeah. And I were don't, doing both. I don't want to glamorize that because that's something that I look back now and I'm like, how did I even do that? Like that, that was so draining, but it was also important to me. So it didn't feel draining at the time, but it's how you get there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but and, guys, and exactly. I mean, you, it is. Yes, how you get there. And if you have a passion for something and if something is important to you, then it doesn't feel like work. It didn't feel like work to me. It always felt like a guilty pleasure. Like, okay, I would, any weekend that I had any holiday, any vacation off from school, I would say, okay, that's good. Like I have a full day that I can, or a full half of a day that I can dedicate to working on my fitness stuff. I don't have to be at school. It was like a guilty pleasure. Like I looked forward to it, but I also knew that, you know, my kids grow up so fast and I would feel guilt about looking forward to those things whenever they were napping or whenever they would go to bed. And so I would be present in that moment with my children. And then whenever it was time for them to go to bed, I had to cram everything in from eight o'clock to sometimes two in the morning because I knew that I had this chunk of time, this huge chunk of time that I never had otherwise to really put my head down and work and to get things done. And it was never using that time to get ahead because there was never an ahead for me. It was always, there was always something to be working on and something that I could be using that time for. But it truly felt like the highlight of my day. I was excited to do it. That is awesome. I mean, and I just, when I think about that and the fact that you were also like living, you know, practicing what you preached and that you were still working out and getting like that done to, I just, like you said, it is crazy to, and it, but it really is a eye opener of like what you can accomplish when you really really want to get something done. But I know you talk a lot about though, at the same time, you can't necessarily wait on motivation. And if, and I'm sure you work with, you know, help a lot of people that at first, especially don't love working out, but they still Mm -hmm. have to make time for it. And so I just think it's interesting of like such a fine balance of what things you make yourself do when mm-hmm. you know they're good for you, but you don't love them. But at the same time, I will say, I think for a passion project, like that's, that's work, that's a side hustle. Like, I don't know anybody that has been successful in it that ha- hasn't truly, like you said, just like craved the craft mm-hmm. because it is, it pushes you to do like insane hours right. and things like, that if, if you don't love it, yeah, it, you're never going to end up making time for it. Yeah. And I think it's also important to know, like, people are different. Not everybody will have this passion. Not everybody has this one calling that makes them stay up until two o'clock in the morning working on it. And that's okay. Like, you don't just wake up one day and say, oh, I have a passion. This is what I'm going to do. But 
if you do, then it's worth it. And you'll know, you'll know what that passion is. But if it's not, then that's fine. Everyone's different. Everyone has their own strengths. People are better at different things in different areas. So I think that's Mm -hmm. important too. Like not everyone will have this calling. Well, and I think a couple of things on that note, one, you, like we've talked about, you have been passionate about fitness for years Mm -hmm. and years. And it wasn't until all, not relatively all that long ago that you started having this turn into something that was like so much more. And then two, I mean, and I think that this is something where when you have confidence about who you are and like, you know, yourself better, you can just like own the kind of personality you have. Mm -hmm. And I love and appreciate that about you. And like, want to sit here and say, well, Michaela, you, first off, you are good at so many things, but at the same time, I'm not going to argue with you that, you know, you better than I know you. And it's like, you do have a lot of your eggs in one basket because that is what you're extremely passionate about. And like, we are very different in that way of like, I'm somebody that like, I feel like I run in like 12 different directions because I'm passionate about a lot of things and like have, you know, my mind is going a lot of different ways. And then there are the people that like are into totally different stuff. And like you said, that don't maybe have this, like any kind of desire to build a business out of something that they enjoy. They just want to enjoy it and not have it turn into a business. And so part of, you know, what another like layer of what I'm passionate about getting to on how you get there is accepting that, like be confident in who you are and how you're wired. Because if you are content with what you've discovered are your, your passions, your hobbies, your priorities, you are not as envious, jealous, or like worried about something that you're not doing because somebody else is because you've at least intentionally thought about where you're at. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just an advocate for like, let's just not float. Like you don't like, just like you said, we don't have to be where you don't, your path to get there isn't necessarily going to be this like big thing, but just don't float and just like let life happen to you. Like at least just intentionally think about like what fulfills me. What am I giving my time and talents to? Especially if you feel that pull. And for a long time, I didn't, I ignored that pull. I pushed it down because I was scared. I didn't want people to judge me. It was embarrassing. It was cringy, but I felt that pull. I felt that nag and I was like, forget it. Like I have to do something with this. So I think I will say, I think that that is an advantage of people that are like 10 ish years older than us that got online specifically to speak to an audience. Like they didn't grow up with like how you handle social media, having social norms and like labels of like cringy or not cringy, because I completely agree. It's like something I've hard, like I've really had to let go of the struggle with like, Oh, all these people or that, you know, you're going to be rolling their eyes at me. Like I'm overusing this, like, you know, and I have all these like little voices in my head from like the eight years I was conditioned to use social media just as a measuring stick for how I'm doing amongst my peers. And like the second you can let that go. And like you said, like show up to help people, it's can be freeing. It's not totally, doesn't totally remove the anxiety, especially at first. But then, like you said, your audience starts to find you. And then you realize like, these are my new people. This is actually who I'm here for. So would you say like you worked like basically any free time you had for is how many years 
was going into making these plans, making because your plans and everybody needs to go look them up. Michaela, what's your what do you have a is Michaela, it Shopify? How do how do we yeah, get Michaela there? Thomas Michaela Thomas dot com. Okay. If you go look, these are so pretty. They're aesthetic. Her videos, like you can click on stuff and get places that like the technology and the aesthetic behind them is what I greatly admire too. And that's one of the things I was curious about is like, you are at your core really good at helping people like work out, you know, efficiently maximize their time, have these great recipes that are so like kid family friendly and like, look like real, you know, real food people would eat. Like I'm always amazed by all the fun, like, you know, hybrid combos yeah. you come up with. So that right there, like your actual content is great, but what is a whole nother level is like your commitment to the craft of like making it so pretty and user-friendly. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things like at first, was that a part of your brain you felt like you were stretching and like, was it, did it, was it a more time consuming part when you first started and did it get easier? Cause like, I know I'm a good talker. Mm -hmm. Like, Anybody that knows me personally is not surprised that I have a podcast because this thing just runs all the time. But the logistics of like getting it set up, learning how to like, you know, marketing it, making my logo, like I, it took me so much effort because that was a part of my brain that was like in the craft that I had not developed at all. Did you feel that stretch on that part or was that something you just equally enjoyed even figuring out? That part was actually the easy part for me, creating these really? and using the creative side of my brain and using the technology and figuring it out and figuring out how to make things engaging and interactive because that's what I needed in my workouts. Uh -huh. um, and I really just wanted it to run seamlessly. So I wanted a workout plan that I could do after school. I didn't have that much time. I didn't want to have to look at my phone and say, okay, this is what I'm doing next and then do it and then get right. my phone. Up. This is what I'm doing next. I wanted it to run seamlessly. That was selfish because that was for me. And so I figured out how to do that for me. And then I was like, wow, this could really help a lot of other people who are feeling the same way. I mean, I knew how to edit videos and things like that, but uh -huh. I was like, I need to know how to make this into a PDF. I need to know how to incorporate the videos into my yes. PDF and make it completely interactive. So that was the fun part to me. That was the side that I like craved and looked forward to. That is so good for you. <laughs> yeah, the social media aspect was the kind where I was stretching my brain and I was like, oh, okay, how am I going to make this relatable? How am I going to talk to these people? How am I going to get them to know that this is important, why this is important? So that was the stretch for me, which has come a lot more naturally now. But the technology and creating and using the creative part of my brain was actually the part that was the easiest for me. That is so interesting because I, like when I was making these notes about cool questions I wanted to ask you, you know, I was thinking, oh, these technicalities, I bet this is what got her down because it's so intricate, y'all. Like I am amazed by what you have created. And I love that. It, I'm glad for you that it was a joy to do it because to me, it just seemed like, gosh, this is such complicated stuff to figure out. Like, I, I love that. I'm yeah. surprised that that's your answer. But also I can see where it wasn't like everything was that way though. Like just because that was easier, like you said, you, and I know you made this note and I'll let you speak on this, but about when you start trying to make post it first, mm -hmm. you know, it takes, you start 
talking, you know, it takes longer on the front end. And and that's right. really when it's harder anyways, because it's not probably, it's not making you money yet. Or like you said, right. you feel like you're doing it for yourself. Like you've got like, you know, a minimal audience and not in the feedback is what like makes it, you know, keeps you going. But mm -hmm. that's when, you know, you probably act like your time per minute is, is substantially longer than I'm sure it is today. Yeah. So a post is never just a post. Like people think that creators or influencers or whatever just have to make a post and then they make all this money from it. If you're a good creator and you're creating for your audience that you care about, it's never just, oh, I'm going to post this today. It's strategic. Right. It's thought out. It's premeditated. Everything that you post comes from a list of ideas that you have written down. And then from there, you have to record the content. You have to decide why that content is important, how to make it relatable, and then how to add a hook to it so that people will actually want to watch you. If I was just to post a food video, which I have done in the past, if I just posted a food video on there, okay, we've all seen food. Why is that important? How is that helpful to me? Like, unless it's just a really right. super cool, relatable recipe, which not all of them will be, how is that going to help me? How is that relatable? So just doing that and knowing how you can help your audience, what's going to be interesting to them, how to keep their attention and how to make it relatable just takes so much time and thought. So every single post is, you wouldn't believe how much time it takes to make just a single post. Give me a for instance. I've gotten pretty quick and I'm pretty consistent and the algorithm changes with you. So if you're really a consistent creator, the algorithm wants you to continue posting that consistent content that has done so well. If I was just to post a random video now and it didn't have anything to do with my content and it wasn't inside my norm, it wouldn't do very well. Even if someone else doing something else posts that same thing and it takes off for them, that doesn't mean it's going to take off for me because that's not what the algorithm has recognized as my style. So now it's a lot easier for me to create content because I know what to do. I know what's going to do well and what's not going to do well with my audience. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it only takes me about 30 minutes to create a post now. That's just creating it. I still have to think about it, record everything, edit it, make the caption, do the hashtags, blah, blah, blah. In the mornings, whenever I'm editing my videos and creating that post for the day, it takes me about 30 minutes. But before that, I mean, it was a lot of trial and error. It was finding out what was going to do well, what people wanted to see. I would have mm -hmm. videos I spent forever on that flopped. And then I would have some that I barely spent any effort on that would take off. So that was um, yeah. a lot of that was like a trial and error learning process for me. But it, at the end of the day, I had to ask myself, okay, if this didn't do well, it's not because of the algorithm. It's because of something that I'm doing. So what is it that I'm doing? Right. How can I make it better for my audience? How can I make people want to watch this? It just takes a lot of thinking and a lot of effort. While you're teaching, you're doing all of that. You're making these cookbooks, you're making the exercise videos, you're figuring out how to put them into these PDFs that click that, you know, that click to jump you to a different spot. Like how many hours do you, th did you keep track of how many hours you no. were spending on no. this stuff? No, I didn't want to know. <laughs> I didn't want to know. I just knew I was, I was doing all I could do while still trying to be a good mom and a good wife, which was most yeah. important to me. And I was stretched really thin, but I, I just kept saying, like, there's no way I can be working this hard and making such high quality products like this that I haven't seen anyone else doing. There's no way that this won't pay off in the end. And I'm not just talking monetarily. Yeah. I'm talking about fulfilling, fulfillment. People yeah, will see these, these will help a lot of people. 
So I just kept reminding myself of that. I didn't want to keep track of how long it took me. I didn't want to, I didn't measure, okay, oh, I've grown this many followers. This post has this many likes. That didn't matter to me. And it still doesn't matter to me. I don't care because that's not why I'm posting. So I think it's just important to know what your goal is and to know who your audience is and what you want to do to help them. So that's awesome that you didn't get, do you think not tracking like helped you not get so bogged down when something took you so much time? Absolutely. Not getting caught up in when something didn't go well, or if something didn't sell as well, or if something didn't get a lot of attention, like you can't dwell on that because you can't control every single post. Every single post is not going to take off and you know, every single product that you offer isn't going to be for everybody. So, right. Do you have stuff batched out? Like the same day you finish something, do you go ahead and post it? Or do you have like stuff stacked up? So like if you end up not getting something done in a day, you're not behind or do you just not even sweat about that and only just do one at a time? At first, whenever I first started, I did not batch create because that never worked well for me. It felt phony. It felt like I was just scheduling things and posting them like it was an appointment and I didn't want to do that. So at first it was truly like, I would make something that day, record it, post it, whatever. But now that I've had so long to, that I've been doing this and I have more experience, I will, basically I record everything that I eat, everything that I make. I record all of my exercises that I do. And then I have a running list of ideas that I choose from like, oh, what sounds good for me to post today? What, what is something that I think people need for today? So I've kind of gotten into the groove where I have batch content, but I don't have it scheduled out and saying, okay, I'm going to post this on this day of the month, this on this day, because I want to keep things authentic and I don't want it to feel like an appointment. You know, I want it to feel genuine because it is. I love that because there, and like, I love that you did this with a full-time job too, because there are so many people out there that are trying to coach content creators and are like preaching something total opposite of this. And it just, is really cool to listen to, especially considering, like I said, the fact that like, it's not that you were doing it, that you were always doing this full time. Like you were doing this in real time, even when it would have been much easier to probably do it a different way. You just, all you do is basically just record everything. And even in the real time every day, like you make it pretty and do the whole like, cause you're, you've always got like so many things going on and Mm -hmm. everything flips around and content fonts change. And in that you always enjoyed that part. Yeah. I I really like that part and that part does take a lot of time, but to see the finished product and to see that you've put out something quality that's enjoyable to watch and, you know, something that people can enjoy watching themselves, it just makes it worth it. But I I can always tell whenever I'm watching things from other people that Mm -hmm. have been batch recorded or just come across as not something that they're wanting to post for you, but something that they're wanting to post just to get it over with or basically for themselves or to promote themselves. And it's not about helping others. I can always feel that. And I don't know if that's just a me thing, but that was something that I didn't want my platform to be. And so it just always felt more natural for me to have a a batch idea list that I could choose from, Mm -hmm. give myself options. But again, like even though I have that now, things can change. If I don't feel like the vibe is right for me to post a certain thing, I won't I won't post it. I'll I'll make something right then. Did you always push to post though? Like is that was that one of your non-negotiables? Because I feel like I mean, I'm sure you had days where you're like, I don't want to, but you did anyways. I did push to post, but that's just part of a me thing. Like I'm a very consistent person. I feel like it's part of my routine. And it's almost like teaching prepared me for that because I would always have my lesson plans prepared. I knew what I wanted to do 
even if things had to change, like I knew I was doing something. So I couldn't just not teach for the day. So that's kind of the same thing now that I'm a creator. Even though I don't have to post every day, I want to post every day. I want to be consistent. This is part of my routine. This makes me feel better and I enjoy it. So I won't just post something if it's just thrown together. I won't just post something for no reason, but I do have something prepared pretty much for every day. That's awesome. And you felt the same way even while you were teaching. Because I think that's where like it's very easy to feel burnt out when you're spinning both plates. And I really admire that it seems like you really got through that without too much burnout. Mm -hmm. That I think is very uncommon because I think people get lost and that's, but that's why it's hard and that's why it's uncommon because it's challenging. And I don't think it's one size fits all. I don't think that every single creator has to post every single day, multiple times a day. I think it depends on who you are in the, the amount of quality content that you can put out. If you can't put out quality content every single day, then posting every single day is not for you. Right. You just need to focus on posting something quality when you can post it. So that's going to be different for everyone. Mm-hmm. I know you've said a couple of times like that, literally, I mean, even though it was what you wanted, but truly every minute of free time went towards this. Did you get pushback from like friends and family that you weren't doing other stuff or was it just that you, cause I feel like you've always kind of kept your circle pretty small. Like that's just your personality. So was it easy to get everybody on board and just to see like, this is just what I do right now. This is what's important to me. I didn't get pushback from my friends and family, but I pushed back myself and I criticized myself saying, Oh, you should be a better friend. You should be going out and doing more things. You should be hanging out with these people just because you know that they want you to. But then Again, like I had an obligation to myself. I have always served others. I have always put others before myself. And at one point I was like, you know, I'm not going to force myself to go and hang out and drink or go to the bars because I don't want to. Like, that's not what I want to do anymore. And anytime that I do that, I've regretted doing that. And, you know, I want to spend what little time I have with my family, with my kids and with my content because that's important to me. And so that was the time that I was like, if it matters to me, then that's all that matters. And if people can't accept that, then they just may not be the people that are supposed to be in my life. So that was hard for me, but I didn't get pushback from people. I pushed back on myself for that for a while. That's really awesome. Well, and I think that just shows that, you know, you've got the right people in your corner. I quit drinking this year in April and like I wasn't already drinking like a lot socially, but I was in this phase where like for the first time, and I think I did text you about around the same time, like I finally had so much clarity on what I wanted, like what Rachel really wanted, not like just to be competitive and like my business because I'm just a competitive person. So it was like, I loved, like, I love helping people get home loans, but a lot of the drive to do more was not even necessarily like, Oh, I want to grow my business. It was a lot of times like it was, Oh, I, I want to be the best. I want to be the best. And that is like a road for, you know, a road to burnout quickly because you can't like that kind of affirmation is not sustaining. But I finally, I was, after I moved, which moving to my new company and being able to have more autonomy with like how I marketed myself, my brand, being able to reach people about like what I was passionate about, which is educating people about financing. Because like when you, a lot of times when people call me, they have no clue about 
anything that's going on. And I just kind of, you know, it, I loved having those one-on-one conversations and I finally got this opportunity to like make this platform where I can have these conversations before somebody's ever even a consumer. And when it's a lot less stressful and kind of the same way of like serving people. And so I just all of a sudden go down this like rabbit hole of between that part of the business, but then also like finally diving into like talking about talking to people about things that actually matter and actually talking about how people are making things happen and what are they doing to like intentionally live and intentionally find what they're passionate about. And I had so much clarity about what I finally wanted to create that I didn't realize how I'd kind of just been floating until I wasn't anymore. And then I listened to this quitting drinking was like an accumulation of things. But one of the pieces that made me like really consider trying it and trying it quickly turned into like life changing, never going back just for me. But it was um, another influencer that I listened to. She's actually like a social media coach, I guess, online. And she was talking about that. She was asked during a coaching summit one time, like, what is the one, like, what is one thing that you were participating in that is not serving you and is keeping you from like performing at your optimal best? And for her immediately, she thought it was alcohol. And for me, it resonated so much with me because I was like, do I really want to go out to even just to dinner? with friends on a Friday night that inevitably may go to have a drink afterwards. And then like, I don't get home until 10 o'clock. And then that means that I wake up on Saturday feeling a little sluggish and then I don't go exercise or I don't do this. And I, it hit me. I'm like, I have so much, I have such limited time to create something that is so precious to me that I believe in. Like why in the world am I giving an ounce of energy to something that I don't actually really want to do that. That's not even the way I really want to connect with my friends. That's not even my preference. It's not, it's not something I enjoy or look forward to. It's just like this routine that I'm in of like, well, this is what you do with friends when you're an adult. And so for me, it was removing alcohol was a, like just a catalyst, I guess, to realizing how much time I was socializing and the socializing was impacting even me, even me like hours afterwards in my productivity to realize like, I don't have any time to spare. I've got to be so selfish with the little time that I have to work on this because every single minute counts, you know? And it's like, that's the only way I think, and I shouldn't say the only way you get there. Cause like we've talked about, you know, I'm sure there's exceptions to the rule, but it's like, you can only do so much. We only all have 24 hours in the day and you can't go be this. Like you said, you can't live, you're really living a double life. Like you can't live a triple life. You can't go act like, you know, you're doing this, that, and whatever, and that you're like, are creating this in 30 minutes. Like you said, like it was not a glamorous thing, but it mattered to you. And at the end of the day, it mattered to you so much that you'd rather go do that than anything else other than be with your husband and your family. Priorities. You have to find your priorities, right? Yeah. Your success, it's been validated by how many people you've helped, the financial security you've gained since you've made this leap. I know at one point when we talked just as friends, you were still, and it was, well, I think you'd been doing it full-time for about a year because about this time last year. And I think you still had some apprehension about like, 
this is great, but like, what if this train stops or like, I can't, like, I think it was just still all so surreal for you. And I'm, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but just from watching you, it seems like this year has been even better than last year. And you have just gained more, you know, validity in your craft, more confidence in your craft. Do you still fight the, you know, worry in comparison about like other people in the industry? What ifs about like, if this like will fade or, you know, anything like that? Um, I'm pretty anxious in general, but one thing about me, I'm never, I've never been a competitive person like with others. So because that gives me anxiety. Like I don't want to be put up against someone else. I don't want to be compared to somebody else because I just don't want to know. Like if I know I'm doing the best I can do and I'm being true to myself and I'm making a difference in people's lives that can relate to me, then that's enough. I don't mm -hmm. want to compare myself to someone else that may be doing something similar. They're doing what they need to do and I'm doing what I need to do. So there's never been that issue of um, comparing to other creators. And I think that's a big reason right. as to why I've grown because I stay true to myself. I don't always jump on the next trend. I don't always change up what I believe in because it fits someone else's narrative or because it fits what's trending at the moment. So, I mean, right. I stay true to what I, what I know and what I believe. And I think people can relate to that and they appreciate that. So I think that's a big reason as to why I've grown so genuinely. Um, but as far as the anxiety goes about what if this stops that I do have those moments of, well, you know, the internet could go away tomorrow and then where would I be? I mean, I'm, I would find, I would find something, but there's still that worry always. But again, like I will find what I'm meant to do no matter what. And I just have to remind myself of that. I thankfully have been able to build enough security so that, you know, I'm not just so super hyper-focused on, oh, what do I do? What do I do? But Right. I mean, there's always there there will always be a little bit of anxiety just because that's who I am. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I love hearing that because I do feel like as your friend, I've seen like hearing you say this today, you just sound so much more at peace with everything than even just, you know, a year ago. But I think that just speaks to like what a long term commitment a passion project, a business must be like, you're not going to get everything figured out in 24 months. And then when you get, you know, you get one piece figured out and then the next 12 months, another piece is the challenging piece, you know, and then you are going to constantly be, you know, it's going to constantly be changing, but at the same time, it's really cool to see just like you become even more and more confident into what you created. Cause you should be, you should be so proud. And I know you are, and you, you know, shouldn't even feel ashamed of that. And I think that that kind of leads into, do you struggle with having such public success? Because you're right. I mean, you aren't like naturally, you're not a competitive person. Like you're not comparing yourself to others, but you have also, and I admire it because you were so good about, I think, not trying to, like, you have this good balance of being real, but also being real about your new real, which is a level of financial security and success that, like I said, I mean, you should be proud of. Is that hard to navigate? Does it, do you think too much into it or do you just? I do struggle just, with that a little bit just because I have never, I didn't grow up financially secure. I mean, that's never been part of my lifestyle. So 
to me, it a lot of times it doesn't feel like anything has changed. Like I'm still reaching for the great value groceries. I'm still, you know, right. saving. I'm not spending lavishly, but it is comforting to know that I do have that financial security and that I can provide a more financially secure childhood for my children and my family and do all of those things. I'm very grateful for that, but I do struggle with it. And I don't, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know. I don't want, I don't want others to think that they have to do something that's going to bring them a ton of financial success. And I don't want them to think that that's what makes you happy. Because for me, I would, I would be doing this if I didn't make a single dollar. Like I'm doing this because I enjoy it and it brings me so much joy and it makes me feel fulfilled. And I did this for a long time without making a single dollar. And so I think that that's super important. You can't go into something like this thinking, oh, how can I make the most money? How can I get rich? How can I make a million dollars because if you have that mindset, you won't, you will never. So to me, the money has never been at the forefront of my mind and it's not something that drives me. It is something I'm very grateful for and something that I definitely count my blessings for, but it's not something that I'm obsessed with because that's, that's not going to get you anywhere. Your passion, your drive to help others will. But you're just, you know, part of your part of who you are is being such an open book. So naturally people like do see that, like, you know, like we talked about, like you've been able to invest in real estate. You have a condo in Florida, like different things like that. And I think it's such a, you know, it it is such a weird balance, especially I think goes back to like you have this big presence online. I feel like when you're sharing this to a great audience, it's more comfortable than trying to share to the people that know you and, real life and you're like I'm not trying to brag but at the same time like this is my life right and so it is yeah and you should as you should be and I guess that's what it's like one of these weird things to it is it's just it's odd to navigate and I didn't know if like you give it a lot of thought or you just try to like you said like just know that you're just still doing the same thing that you were right. I'm still the same years ago, like, and you're authentically living like you're doing just, you know, you shouldn't have to hide anything now. Just like you wouldn't have hid then what was going on then really, you know, but, and there's a really blurry line with privacy in your line Mm -hmm. of work. I feel Mm -hmm. like, yeah, (laughs) because you are, you do talk about so much and so much is home family, you know, personal stuff. It's harder for me to share with people that I know personally and for people that know me personally, because I never, I don't want to come off as bragging, but I am proud about where I am and where, how I grew up and how things have changed and evolved because of the work that I've put in. And I think that's something to be super proud of and super grateful for, but, but there is also a fine line between being proud and then boasting and showing off, which is something that I don't ever want and, and don't want to show my children to do that. and especially absolutely because they have a totally different childhood than I had. And I think that the way I grew up made me a better person. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that. So that's something I struggle yeah. with too, is knowing that my kids aren't, aren't struggling, which is good, but also like struggle really helped to build a lot of character for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, you know, it just, part of that is by staying, you know, true to your story. You're, you know, your kids are watching you tell your story and not be ashamed of that either. And so even though maybe they're not experiencing that firsthand, I still think they pick that up by what you have to share. Talk about being proud 
of, you know, what you've created too is a year ago, like when we had talked, you had hardly outsourced like anything. Mm -hmm. You were still doing a lot on your own. Since then, I've seen like you've had a few people that I can at least tell from the outside have started to kind of step in and take some kind of role to help you. Can you tell me a little bit about your operation today? Like just tech, like logistically pull back the curtain and tell us how, you know, your whole fitness business operates and kind of what, what the moving parts are. I'm still not a big outsourcer. I, <laughs> and that's because I care about my content and I know that nobody else, no matter how close they are to me, they will not care about my content the way that I care about my content. Yeah. And I struggle with letting go, but this year I have, I mean, I have reached out to people to help me with like my website design or um, people in the Facebook group that will help me moderate comments and things like that. And it's actually really mm -hmm. cool now with my content. If I can't get to a comment in time, or if I can't, if I miss someone's question, my audience will help me answer some of those questions. So I'm super grateful for them that they step up and they help mm -hmm. me do that. Because as much as I try to get to everyone and to get to every single comment and every single question, mm -hmm. sometimes I don't. So it's nice to know that they are helping me along with that. But I still, I mean, I don't outsource a whole lot. So really, it's just the admins on Facebook. Yeah, that is really the only aspect because you do these really cool challenges where they're, they're really interactive. And that takes a lot of I do all of like, those myself. I create all of my posts myself. I edit all of my posts myself. And I've had people reach out to me asking if like if they could build me an app or if they could, you know, be my I don't know, coach or brand, whatever. And I just, I've never been into that. Like I, I know, I, I know what I want to create. I love it. You are just like hustling with your head down yeah. by yourself. Like yeah. in, in the best way of just, you're just like, you know what you need and you know what you want and you're just willing to do it yourself. I love that. I, and I think this goes back to like, there are so many ways that you can, you can learn from different people and you can admire their success, but like also do it differently because I, I feel like I'm the queen of leverage lately. Like I am, I have, ha I've had to lean into needing getting help on things right. that are not in my wheelhouse that technically I could figure out, but I just realistically know if it's up to me to figure it out, it's not going to get done. And right. I think I carry a lot of, sh so I have fought a lot of shame in that because mm -hmm. I do think like, well, this person is being able to do it all on their own. And like, that means I'm not as good as X or whatever. And I think right. this goes back to one, if you can just not compare yourself and not worry about what other people are doing, but you know, yes. easier said than done. But two, also back to kind of our comment of you kind of have to pick, like, I'm not willing to give up some of the other stuff that I give my time and talents to, to do this and to still work and um, mortgage full time and to create content and like different mark, like make a whole like brand over here and over here and do all this other stuff too. I have just accepted. I don't think I'm ever going to be somebody that can trim any more fat out of my life of like other things that I'm devoting efforts to that I, so the only way I'm going to get to where I want to be in the stuff that I am passionate about is by waving my white flag and saying, I've got to and that's that's a great thing too because I, for a long time I was trying to create my own website. I was trying to 
manually send people their plans and accept their payments one by one. And that wasn't working for me. So the moment that I reached out and hired someone, Hannah Waldridge, to build my website for me, set up my Shopify, things took off even more. And that was way better for my brand than whenever I was trying to do that myself. It was just way more efficient. It was way more professional. And it, it took a lot off of my plate that I didn't have to be doing. And I my only wish is that I would have done it sooner. So I think everyone has their own little areas where they need extra help. And part of being a good business owner is knowing what those areas are. So I definitely yeah. agree with that. Absolutely. So what is your favorite kind of content to create? If you had to pick, do you like the cooking? Do you like the fitness? Do you like what, what do you end up leaning towards? This is a complicated question for me because I have multiple areas that I'm interested in. I'm interested in the cooking. I'm interested in the food freedom. I'm interested in the workouts and I'm interested in motivating and inspiration. I will say yeah. now that I'm pregnant, I have sort of leaned more into the food side just because I am not going to record myself at eight months pregnant with my too tight clothes that don't fit me anymore. I'm not <laughs> going to do that. That's even though I know some people would love for me to push that content out. That's a boundary that I've made with myself. And so even though I'm still working out, it's still a huge part of my life. This season that I'm in right now, I have to lean into something else, which is the food, which is what a lot of my audience struggles with and what people are interested in more. So I lean into yeah. what my audience wants. Once again, it doesn't matter what my favorite thing is. It doesn't matter what I want to post. It's what they want. And the statistics show, the algorithm shows me what my audience wants and what they need and what they respond well to. And that's the food part. So I've really leaned into that. And I think as my seasons change and different phases mm -hmm. of my life change, I think that I'll be able to incorporate more of a variety of content again, like I used to, but for now, the food is just what's best for everybody. It's best yeah, for me. It's best absolutely. for them. It's, it's what I've been shown is the most beneficial. So I'm really leaning but into you that. You always right show up on your stories, like in real yeah. time, like you're yeah. always motivating and being real in your stories. And I love that. Yeah. And I think different areas of my platform are able to use those different areas that I'm posting. So like the stories are more for motivation, inspiration, and fitness. My actual content that I'm posting every single day is more mm -hmm. of the food. So, I mean, there's just different areas of my content that allow me to express myself in all of these areas that I like. So I don't even know if I have a favorite because it's just all, it's just all me. It's all, just me. all of it. I love it. I don't it. share anything I was, that I, I don't. I kind of thought you were going to say that, but I couldn't help but to ask. Cause I love yeah. that you just really have like some really strong pillars. I mean, true. you know, you really live in a lot of different spaces and it's really, but it's holistic of what people, especially women need. And it's so relatable. We've talked a lot about how you have just hustled to make the time to do what you need to do every day and that you are great at routines. I got to ask, cause I'm on, I'm on an endless pursuit here. Do you snooze? Oh, absolutely. Do I snooze my alarm? Yes, for sure. How many times? I'm, I'm the type, I have about five alarms set. And so mm -hmm. I snooze every single one of those. So the first one goes off way before I'm ever supposed to wake up. I'm not getting up on that one. So I'll snooze it. Um, my second one goes off about 15 minutes later. I'll snooze it. Third one goes off. It's like, I know I need to be getting up, opening my eyes, whatever. I'll still snooze it. And then eventually I've gotten tired of hearing that alarm go off so much that I'm finally like, 
Okay, I got to get up. When do you actually get up? Does it is it different every day, or do you have a pretty good routine of like when? No, you I get up around the same time. I've got to get the boys ready for school and everything, so I know what time, like what the last news is. I know what time that's got to be. What so. it t- what time is that? Usually six fifteen is the very latest that I can. Oh my lord! Do. So when does this start? Five. I start at five. <laughs> yeah. So what time do you go to bed? Uh, well, now, since I've been pregnant, I take a half of a Unisom tablet at night to help me sleep because <laughs> pregnancy is just awful for sleeping, and I'm not a great sleeper anyways. Um, uh-huh. So I'll take that Unisom around 9 o'clock, and I'm out by 1030. But if I wasn't pregnant and I didn't take um, like a melatonin, yeah. like half a melatonin gummy or whatever, which I feel guilty about whenever I'm not pregnant, but <laughs> if I didn't take anything, I would I would be up like midnight at the at the very least and you would still wake up and be out by 6 15 yeah were you that way before you had kids yeah for sure still wake up early yep i've always been an early bird i'm an early bird in the sense that i'd rather do stuff in the morning than stay up late but i have really and i do think it's you know life uh and I won't even go there but life changes and stuff have like help have hurt me having any sort of routine and like grasp on being consistent about waking up and I thrive in routine. So I really want to get back to being disappointed in ourselves. That's one of the things that kills me about. You gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. But no, I'm not letting it go. I'm trying something new. I think what my new year's resolution is going to be is I'm going to try to wake up at 615 every single day. Mm-hmm. like weekends and everything, because I just am such a routine person that I think my, my job has, which I love the lifestyle that my job allows me to have, which is that every day is different. I'm going different places at different times, but I've got to, I think, make it easier on myself. Cause I think I have to do too much think work about like, okay, when do I need to be up today? And I think if I just did where I had to be up early and I think I've got, I've got to not snooze because I really want to give myself 90 minutes, but then I really think I only need like 60 and then I don't get to kind of like mosey like I really want to, or I do mosey and then I don't get to where I need to be when I wanted to be there. So it's taking a toll. It's taking a toll on you. Snoozing is taking a toll on you. Is that what this is about? Snoozing is taking a toll on me, yes, but I've not yet mastered how to get myself to quit. Mm-hmm. But that's why I'm going to think, that's why I think that I'm going, and I am somebody that's good about, personally, I like a January 1, I'm ready, New Year, here I come. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of think that that is going to help me, that I'm going to give myself some grace through the end of the year. But then January 1, it's going to be like, nope, I wake up at 6.15 and I do not snooze, and I set my alarm for 6.15, and I get up at 6.15, like now, even Rachel, Saturdays. You better give yourself some wiggle room. I'll tell you that now. No. So this is what I saw this on your post about the elf on the shelf and how it's exercise. And I think that you are, I don't think you're wrong, but this is one of my other fun, more fun questions is I would say you are a much better moderator than an abstainer. Would you agree? Yes, only because I know that for me, abstaining forever is impossible. If I was to oh, tell see, myself, I'm an abstainer. I like I so, have to abstain. Yeah, I cannot moderate. I really can't. 
It's, it's yeah. it takes, it takes abstaining for me to be able to even moderate. And then I notice that I get, I, if I go too long without doing like an, like abstaining again, I'm like way far away. But That's why I do that so good can, on whole 30. Is it something stuff. that you can abstain forever? And is it something? Yeah, I really think I would be better okay. for it. Like, I think okay. it would truly give me joy if like I, cause it would be just one less, like I would be free from the snooze. I would be free from the like effort of when am I going to wake up? Do I sleep in? Do I not? Cause that's where I have too much freedom to it in a sense of where like in theory, there are days where like I could just sleep in just because, but like I said, I really need to get up and get going because I'm like you, like if I can get into something that I love, like I've got an endless list of things I could be working on and could do. But because I like someday start my day behind, I never get to those things. And it's this whole negative cycle of energy and shame of like, if I just would have started this way. And that's where that's what I was going to point out, because I think we are wired like totally different in that way. I think, routine, I, I think routine will help you once you get into the routine and you're able to be consistent with it. I think that it will be so much easier for you. But I also think realistically, you've got to know that at first, every single day, every single day from whenever you start, mm -hmm. there's no way you can do it perfectly. No matter how much that you beat yourself up, no matter how much you tell yourself, mm. every single day from the very start <laughs> until the rest of your life, you've got to know that Probably, there's going yeah. to be some kind of day that you know you know, it's not going to work out how you want it. And that's okay. But guess what? The very next day you start back. It's not going to yes. turn into, it's not going to turn into, oh, well, I messed up one day. So now I'm just going to just throw in the towel on the snooze button. I completely agree. But I do think that it's like, I have to tell myself though, it's like a non-negotiable. Not right, that it's like, right. I'm going to do this three days a week or like, I'm right. going to just do this Monday through Friday. I guess right. that's kind of my thing of like, I got to tell myself like, no, this is my commitment every single day. And you're right. Like, even if I mess up, like, I don't care if tomorrow's Saturday, if like I mess up on Friday, I don't care if tomorrow's Saturday, like I'm not going to give myself the weekend. Like I've got right. to. Yeah. Just, just get right back on, but know that you're not perfect. You're not a robot. You are not a human alarm clock and it, is I like as long as you get back on track. I know, but as long as you get back on track, that's what matters. So don't turn abstaining into quitting whenever I you won't. aren't perfect at no, abstaining. I won't, but I will say that abstaining really is my freedom. Like I really, because that's really like, I have to have that rigid of a routine for it to really be like mindless. And I think the less, like you said, and I know you're, big on this, but like the more that you take feeling out of it and just make it your routine, like don't make it when you're motivated to work out or when you're motivated to, you know, eat right. But also, and I, you know, my relationship with food though is very fluid and it's very healthy because it has been able to be, but how it started was with abstaining and like really taking a hard look at my relationship with food through the whole 30. And then I notice that sometimes I get, I'm like sliding into this unhealthy zone again. And like, I have to abstain to get there. And I feel like you're just a really great moderator and 
I think I just know myself. I'm realistic. I know myself. If I tell myself I can't have something, if I tell myself I've got to stick to chicken and rice every day, I'm not going to do that. I know myself. So to me, it just makes more yeah. sense to, you know, be okay with being imperfect, but still exactly. continue to try. And I love rules. Everyone's different. Yeah. So I'm just like, I thrive when I'm like, okay, these are like, once again, these are the rules. I don't have to think. I don't have to trust myself to be the monitor. Like, this is just what I'm going to do. And that is, and that, but that's why I was so excited to talk to you about this because it's like, I think that the, we are good two examples of successfully thriving in knowing ourselves better, but we are very, very different in, in that way right. for sure. Right. Well, Michaela, I'm so glad that you came and I thank you for letting me just endlessly pick your brain and ask you all the questions that I've been dying to know. Anytime. I'm so excited. We're going to end with a self-care tip of the week. Uh, it's one of the one, few things that I want to do every single podcast. I, my self-care tip is going to be try cleaning something out and see how you feel. So I, back to being able to use the creative part of our brains, I have never really stretched that muscle before. I'm just not a creative person. Like I don't draw or I've just, I've never done anything super creative. And so as I've tried to stretch the creative part of my brain through making content and just all the different things really over the past year, I've realized like the more organized I have things that are practical and like actual tangible things the clearer my mind feels to have this creative room. And I almost feel it happening like instantly. So like whether that is like I have been thriving lately, like cleaning out my folders, like like you said, like making like a better like official list of the videos I want to make and like how like really digging into like, okay, my systems, like how am I going to organize stuff as I do this? Like it seems like almost immediately just more ideas start to bubble up or even like finally have gotten around to cleaning out some like this whole 12 piece buffet set that just ended up being like 12 junk drawers not anymore. They're beautifully organized. I've thrown stuff away. It just feels so good. And those kinds of tasks are just like 30, 45 minutes when you really get into it. So that's mine. Do you have one? Yes. I think that mine would be, if you are someone that struggles to move their body, I think the power of movement, no matter what kind of movement it is, it mm -hmm. will change your mood. It will change your attitude. It will eventually yes. change your life. But my tip is to Make an agreement with yourself on the days that you have planned to get some type of movement in. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be every single day all at once. It doesn't have to be perfect. But if you have set an appointment with yourself to move, if you don't feel like doing it, don't put it off until tomorrow. Just continue that promise and shoot for 10 minutes. That's it. 10 minutes. If you don't feel like doing yeah. it after the 10 minutes, if you are physically unable, if you are physically too fatigued to finish it, finish your entire workout, that's fine. But dedicate yourself to 10 minutes. If you feel better, continue on with your workout. Be super proud of yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back. But 10 minutes, that's all you need. And you will I love instantly that. notice a mood boost. I try to remember that I, it's like, I tell myself, I don't even have to change, to change out of my pajamas. Exactly. Like, I can... Not at all. You can move in exactly what I have on. Sometimes I think I make too big of a deal about like, oh, I've got to put on my workout clothes and do yeah. this and that. Right. It's like, no, or complete you your workout do. perfectly or 
If you're not doing the whole thing, it's pointless, but no. All you need is 10 minutes, and then there's that consistency, and then you can build on that. Michaela, before we go, will you tell us again where everybody can find you for more tips, motivation, a friend through the internet? Because that's really what you are to your audience. You can find me on TikTok, on Instagram, Facebook, Michaela Thomas Fit. You'll search my name and you can find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun. I know. I had fun too. Thank you for joining me this week. I hope this episode met you where you were at and it's given you your own clarity on steps forward for how you get there. Wherever and whatever that is, it is important and your dreams matter. I would love to connect with you personally. You can email me at howyougetthere at gmail.com or you can find me at Rach Ross Denson on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Threads, and X. Will you please take a few seconds to subscribe, rate, and review How You Get There wherever you listen to your podcast? Please know you are playing a part in making my dream come to life. And for that, I am so grateful. Don't forget, if where you want to go in the future involves a home loan, I would love to help you. Find me on Instagram at Rachel Denson underscore MLO to learn from my videos or use the link in the bio to schedule a one-on-one consultation with me. Hope to see you back here next week where we'll keep talking all about how you get there. Thank you.